Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Cynthia grew up with an older brother, Carlos, who has Prader-Willi syndrome. She did not learn of his actual diagnosis until her mother passed away and she became his guardian. These past few years, she has really stepped into her role as caretaker, researching and learning about this disorder and how she can best help her brother. He has lost 200 pounds, attends an adult day center where he plays sports and has a friend who shares his diagnosis, and is still a good companion to Cynthia. As she says, we need each other. In this conversation, Cynthia shares with us her story. We discuss the differences in relationships between parent and child and the relationship between siblings and the expectations and the behaviors that result from that. Cynthia also shares with us some advice on how to prepare our own children for the possibility of becoming guardians of their siblings. Cynthia is an inspiring woman, a delight to speak with, and a beautiful example of the power of family. Also, before we get into the interview, the writing journal is here. Yay! I have started a GoFundMe campaign to raise the funds for print costs and shipping. Anything helps, $5, $10, or more. For a $30 donation, you can pre-order a book. I will sign it and send it to you once once they come to me. If you would like to donate $30 or more, but are not interested in having your own copy, Then I will set aside a copy to give to someone else who is interested but does not have the funds. I really believe in the power of writing and its ability to help us see things with more clarity. I experience this almost every day in my life. I start my day with a writing practice. I get up a little earlier so that I can do that and it just, it, it's a beautiful, uh, practice that I have, um, a beautiful gift to myself. (laughs) in a day where, um, you know, I, I give a lot to my kids. So, so I believe in the power of writing. I feel it. I experience it. And I'm hoping to share this with the special needs community. So please consider donating or pre-ordering a book. So you can go to gofundme.com and search. There is joy to be found here or follow the link in the show notes. If you would like to support the journal, but you don't have the money to help out, no problem. You can spread the word about the writing journal and the podcast to your friends and family and to the community that you're in. And this is a fantastic way to support this project. And if you are interested in a copy of the journal, but you don't yourself have the funds, then check back with me. I will, um, I'll update you all check back with the podcast or Uh, my social media, and I'll let you know how you can get a copy for a discounted price or for free 
depending on uh, what your situation is. So um, I just need to get them printed first and get them here and then I can figure figure that part out. So there, so there's that. And I've been uh, posting some dorky videos on Instagram. So if you're into that platform, you can follow the podcast at uh, Walking with Freya. And I did post, um, and maybe I'll put this link up there too, on YouTube. Uh, the, the journal, the opening part of the journal, there's a letter to parents and caregivers. And um, there is a video of me reading that. So if you would like to see that, I'll put the link in uh, the show notes. Okay, all business aside, now we can get into this beautiful conversation with my new friend, Cynthia. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. Thank you all for being here. So my name is Cynthia. I live in Miami, Florida. And I have a brother who's 33 years old, so he's actually five years older than me, and he has PWS. So a little bit of the background was uh, growing up, I really didn't know that this is what he had, and uh, now we're tackling it full force. So it's definitely been quite an adventure. Yeah. So you. So what's your brother's name? If you don't. Mind. My brother's name is Carlos. Carlos. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you're 28, if I've done the math correctly. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I just want to commend you for, I mean, taking this on. I mean, to be 28, I mean, I know he's your brother, like, and, and I, but what a beautiful sense of uh, family, you know, not everybody has that. So anyway, um, yeah, I just want to commend you for that because at 28. Thank you. you know, that's It's a lot to take on. So can we um, talk a little bit about, I mean, so you so you didn't know until your mother passed away recently, right? A few years ago, and that's when you became correct. Three years ago, three years ago. So, and you did not know about Prader Willi syndrome before then. Yeah, I I knew nothing. So, I mean, I always knew that there was something different about my brother growing up, but. I was the younger sister. I didn't pay too much attention to it. And my mom kind of just always took care of it. She always handled it, always handled his behavior, always handled medical appointments with him. So I was really kind of out of the loop. Um, and actually, the first time I heard it, one of my friends asked her, oh, what does your son have? And I, I was thinking, oh, she's never going to talk to this person again. <laughs> and she answered. So I heard I had heard it about maybe five years ago. So it wasn't even when I was younger, it was still kind of recent. And I said, Oh, okay. So that's what he has. And so I started, I looked it up and I saw it. And when you look it up, mostly what comes up is just, you know, okay, this is uh, someone who's hungry all the time is what kind of, if you do like a, a brief search, that's what you find. So I said, that makes a lot of sense. He is hungry all the time. He does eat a lot. So I kind of left it at that and I didn't think there was anything else to it or other components to it. Um, But fast forward, my mom passes away and I I end up having to become his guardian. So I said, okay, I need all the help I can get. So I really do like a deeper dive into it. And I start uncovering all these things that I had happened when I was younger. And it's like, oh my God, it all makes sense now. Wow. So it it was crazy. It was definitely a crazy ride, but he he had not been involved kind of in like the special needs community. He had not been signed up for anything really. So it was kind of starting from scratch. Wow. So, and so he was mainstreamed through school or like, did, yep, he, he went, 
Yeah, he went to um, uh, a same elementary, middle, and high school as I did. And he was in regular classes. And yeah, he, he even got an associate's degree. So he went on to college. I mean, it took him longer and my mom helped him a lot. Um, and it was always challenging. He even got his driver's license. But for example, he, he didn't pass it right away. He only took the test several times. And there was always an issue. It was like he would fall asleep at the wheel or, oh, wow. I mean, kind of dangerous really. But I think my mom was pushing so hard for him to kind of be independent um, and didn't realize there was other ways of helping him be independent, um, but not not so dangerous. <laughs> so actually, the car story is kind of funny. One of the first things that happened with me was my mom was tracking him on, on her iPhone. everywhere. Every time he drove, she was sitting there refreshing her Find My Friends and figuring out where he was. So it was, it was stressful for her, too. And when she passed away, he was still driving. And I said, I can't do that. I, I'm going to go crazy if I have to sit there and track every time he decides to go for a drive. And he was doing things, you know, stopping at gas stations, buying food, buying cigarettes even. it's, I mean, if you give him a car, you have to give him money because he has to get gas, right? So um, I, I said, I can't do this. I can't live like, you know, tracking him like this is not good for either of us. So I found uh, the STS, the Special Transportation Services of Miami-Dade, and I called them and they said, yeah, Prater Willie, this is like a given. We don't even have to do anything. He gets it right away. And I went over there and you go for an interview and the guy says to me, you know, he, this is really dangerous. And I said, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he, he gave us the card that day. He was like, take the car away. He can't drive. I said, okay. So interesting things. I mean, people have looked at me kind of like, why is he doing this? And I'm like, well, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's really yeah, intense. A lot. <laughs> So what were some of the things that made sense in hindsight once you learned of the diagnosis? So he had, he had always had an issue with the food, of course. That's the major thing. And growing up, I mean, I, it's kind of funny that I remember this. It's like a random story. But, you know, in schools, they give you chocolates that you have to sell yes. for like a dollar. It's like those boxes. So. Uh -huh. I remember that whenever I would bring the boxes home, they would disappear. And I would always tell my mom, like, I know he did it. And she would cover for him. She knew it was him, but she would cover for him. And she would just give me the money and that say, take it to school. And that's it. But it was funny when I started reading like all these stories and you know how they like, they can sneak the food and things like that. And I'm going, Oh my God, now I know where all the chocolate went. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And, and just all the things like my mom was always battling with him because he was overweight and, and it all, it all just clicked immediately. So one of the first things that I had to take on was, well, he was taking um, like a weight loss medication. And then I read that's pretty much hundred percent failure rate. So I said, okay, this is damaging his heart and his liver. There's no point in him taking this medication if it's not doing anything and it wasn't he was still looking for food he was still finding it and he was still gaining weight um so I found a, a doctor who had never dealt with a Prater Willie case before but was very much willing to learn and I said this is good enough for me let's do it so he took him off that medication um he said this is not going to help it's not helping and then I called the Prater Willie Association and they they were the ones that said to me to fix the food issue you have to lock your kitchen 
And I'm like, what? <laughs> I have to do what now? That doesn't sound um, like something anyone does, you know? And they said, yeah, you, you have to lock it. So I bought a lock and I've locked the refrigerator and the pantry and he has no access to food and he's lost about 200 pounds since. So uh, no dieting, nothing crazy. Just, I mean that, and I've also put him in um, the wow center with it, which is, um, I call it, I call it the school. I know it's not a school, but that's where he goes during the day. Um, it's for adults with uh, disabilities. So they've definitely been a huge help. They have him involved in sports and activities and he's not just sitting around all day. So that, um, along with locking up the food has changed his behavior and definitely his health. So, yeah, that's so great. Um, I'm, I love hearing that. I love that because you sent me those two pictures for the people listening. Um, you sent me the picture of him, um, before you became his guardian and then a recent one. And uh, yeah, it's quite a difference. I mean, he's very smiley and happy in both of the pictures, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the difference. Um, yeah, you can really see it. So that's just amazing. I'm so happy for him that he has you to, to, um, you know, help him in this way. Yeah, we, we have each other, you know, it, it's funny because even with his condition and yeah, it seems like I take care of him a lot, but there's, he, he's so um, innocent to the world that sometimes I'll get frustrated and I'll say things and I'll bring it up to him. And he always has the most non-complex, simple answer and solution to everything. And it's, oh. it's kind of funny because I always tell my friends, like, you know, I get so stressed out and he just, he's just like, no, that's not a problem. Don't worry. And he always kind of makes it seem like it's not a big deal. Oh, so. oh. That's great. You know, we have each other. We have each other. <laughs> yeah. So how has it um, affected your relationships in your life? I mean, um, I mean, probably pretty drastically or, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, at first, at first I was kind of going through the motions. I think now, I know it's been three years, but now is when I'm really able to sit down and like think about it. Um, because we had, we went through a whole other set of issues with, you know, like the house and this and that, and the guardianship case took a long time. So, um, now is when I'm able to sit back and kind of think about it a little bit. Uh Definitely. I mean, yeah, because, you know, friends or my friends, my age, they, they can go out, they don't have to worry about anything, take spontaneous trips. And of course I'm not able to do that anymore. Um, So it has affected me in that way that I always have, of course, like him first. So anything I do, it's like, well, wait, I need to make sure, you know, my brother's taken care of or who's going to take care of him. Or if, even if I leave for the night, I'm like, wait, I have to leave him dinner, have to cook him dinner, unlock the fridge. It's not that I can just walk out of the house, you know? Yeah. Um, But also I think uh, knowing about his condition, like learning more and more about it has helped me be be like less frustrated almost because when I was younger, I just, I just did not like him because I didn't understand. Right. So I was just kind of mad all the time. Like why, why this? And why does he do that? Why is he allowed to do that? Why is that okay? Um, so going in and like reading about things and learning about things, it's like, okay, even though I get mad at him sometimes, I'm still like, this is not him. This is part of his condition. He's not doing it on purpose. Right. Yeah. It kind of gives so, you the opportunity to have some compassion to right, realize, right. you know, they're not just doing it to be jerks. They're doing it because 
it's just yeah I, you know it's funny i i did use that word i didn't want to say it but since you Oh yeah, <laughs> I did. I have used that word. I've said sometimes I think he's just being a jerk. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, he's not. He's he's just. I mean, he's being himself. He's not trying to be a jerk. He's not doing it on purpose. So it's kind of, and it's hard sometimes to tell. You know, to tell the difference. Like, I'm like, okay, is he is he being a jerk or is this part of the condition? I don't. Sometimes I don't know for sure. You know. Right. Yeah, because they're, I mean, they're people just like anybody is, you know, going to have their days where they're just feeling off or they're feeling grumpy or, you know, we all have our, we all have our moods. And so that's important to remember as well. You know, they they can't just, um, you know, I I try and gauge the same thing with Freya. Like if she's really frustrated and really struggling with something or if she's just being difficult because, you know. Because she's being right, because an she, eight-year-old. She feels like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, so. exactly. So yeah, I can. Sometimes I can't tell. You know, it's like it, there's like so many. They call me from his school sometimes to, oh, he did this or he did that. And the other day they called me and said, oh, you know, he stole, he took money from someone's bag. And then I'm like, okay, but I said to them, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but this is part of Prater Willie, and they're going, what? That's not food. I said, no, but he took money to buy food. Uh-huh. He he took. I mean, it was like two dollars, but he, that that's the reason he took the money. And and it's it's hard to explain to people like, no, he's not like stealing because he's stealing money. You know what I mean? He's he's trying to still get a hold of food. Right. So and and I asked him at home, what were you going to do with the money? He tells me, I was going to go buy a snack. I'm like, okay, see, I knew it. So. <laughs> it's hard to explain it to people too. It's, it's, and I mean, he, if you talk to my brother, he, he can hold three hour conversation. He can talk about anything. I mean, you can have dinner with him. He eats normally in front of people. So it's, it's like you trust him and then you turn around for two seconds and then, you know, something happens. Yeah. Well, I imagine if he was able to go through life and, you know, being mainstreamed and, and uh, getting a driver's license and getting an associate's degree, I imagine he's pretty high functioning. So yeah, I can yeah. see where sometimes that can be even more difficult in a way because people don't believe or don't understand the seriousness of certain aspects. Right. So what happens? Yeah. What happens is that people trust him. You say, Hey, don't do this. And he looks at you dead in the face and says, okay, don't worry. I won't. And then you walk away and it's over. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> Uh, tantrum type behavior and big emotional outbursts can be a part of Prader Willie syndrome. Is that an issue that that he has? Or so I do remember that being an issue when he was younger. <clears throat> okay. And I don't know. I don't know if it's age or life circumstances or whatever. Um, but he doesn't anymore. He doesn't throw tantrums anymore. He doesn't get angry anymore. Even if I'm mad at him and let's say I'm very angry and I'm, let's say, like raising my voice or something, he kind of just looks at me. He doesn't even, he doesn't even fight back. So I do remember when he was younger, we would get into bad, bad fights. But again, all siblings <laughs> fight occasionally. Right. So I don't think anyone thought anything of it. But looking back, it's like, well, he'd get mad at kind of really irrational things. I do remember him throwing things when he was younger and I, and I do remember, I do remember my mom talking to um, 
talking about taking him to like a behavioral therapist. So yeah, definitely when he was younger, yes. And again, now, not at all really, but life has thrown so many curveballs at him and I really. So I, I don't know if it's, I'm also like not his mom. So he treats me different. He, he would fight back with her, uh-huh. but not with me. Right. Which not is, with me now. That's pretty typical behavior for, you know, I mean, my kid, yeah, like everybody says, you know, your kids are the the hardest with their parents because they trust them the most, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. So I always say that, you know, you, you'd, you'd uh, snap back at your parent, but you wouldn't snap back at your teacher or your boss, for example. Right. So I, I don't know exactly how he views me, maybe. I don't know if he still views me as like his younger sister or he's now starting to see like, even though I'm younger, he still views me as the adult. Um, but he does. He definitely does not throw any tantrums anymore. Not in the last three years. Yeah. Well, I, you know, they say, um, you know, a big part of the behavior is the food access. Like we were talking about the other day, you and I. And uh, so, you know, he right. did a lot locking up the, the kitchen. Yeah, he didn't like it at first. Um, so I sat him down and I said, listen, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. You have this condition and, and this is why you want to eat all the time. And when I, it was funny because I told him, Hey, you have Prater Willie. And he said, Oh yeah, I know. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) (laughs) He says, well, so I didn't know this too, but apparently one of the characteristics of Prater Willie is they have really good long-term memory. Uh And, and so he said to me, I remember when I was eight that that our pediatrician told our mom that I had this condition. So I, he must, he remembers that moment according to him. Wow. And I said, okay. And he goes, well, we never talked about it again. I said, oh, okay. Wow. So I kind of ex- explained to him a little bit and I was getting at telling him why I was going to lock the fridge and he was not happy at first. Um, but yeah, like we talked about, I think it removed the anxiety. So he's not looking for it all the time. And so now he'll remind me. He'll say, hey, you you forgot to lock the fridge. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's reminding me. That's a good sign. Yeah, it's a great sign. So, but he still, he still gets into, you know, I call it trouble every once in a while. So we've had circum- like things with at school and things with the trash outside and some stuff like kind of slips. Uh-huh. Um. But it's not all the time. So it's not like before it was all the time. He was in the fridge every day. As soon as you went up the stairs or turned around or went outside. So now it's just like, okay, occasionally he'll still get away with something here and there. But okay, it's not so bad. Does he ever talk about or in that moment when he was like, yeah, I have Prader Willie syndrome. Did he have any kind of feelings about that, about finding that out or acknowledging that as an adult or um, he, he just, he, the only thing he mentioned was that, uh, he said, I had asked our mom if I can go to a camp for it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I looked it up. I guess he had, he had Googled it. He had looked it up on his phone probably. Um, and he, he said, I had looked up a camp, but she said no. And I said, oh, okay. And that was really like the only comment he had that day. Uh huh. Um, and then shortly after he started at the wow center and he met another individual with Prater Willie. And I think he felt good because he came home and told me, guess what? There's someone else, you know, that has exactly what I have. 
And I said, that's really cool. You know, I mean, <laughs> I wanted it to be like a, of course, I mean, this is a positive thing. Someone yeah. who understands him fully, really, because I would never understand him fully. There's no way. Yeah. So he was kind of happy that someone else had it almost. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, we're going to be best friends. And I was like, I bet. Aww. <laughs> so, so they, they do hang out a lot. <laughs> And I always joke, they probably get into trouble together, but, um, yeah, they're definitely really good friends. They talk all day on the phone and, and it's funny. It's like, they look alike to me and I'm like, they're kind of like brothers, you know? And I think he feels good that there are people. And like I said, that school was like a blessing because he was in normal college to normal school, but he got picked on and people didn't really like talk to him too much. And now he's here where this is like, they're okay to talk about it. It's a normal thing. Everyone has their thing. And it's, it's just like amazing, like the change he's made. If I think about him, let's say 10 years ago, I would have never thought this is where he'd be today at all. I mean, what would you have thought he would, he would have been doing in 10 years? It, it was just like a series of, of things like, like kind of like not working, right? So, I mean, yeah, he was going to college, but failing the classes. And then he needed help with the classes. Eventually he'd pass the classes, but it was like an, there was like a struggle every day. There was always something, right? So if it wasn't getting into the food, it was like something with the car. And then, so it was just like, it was frustrating. And he wanted to be a vet actually. So he wanted to be a vet and we, you know, my mom was pushing along for that and that's great. But I think if she would have done it in a different way or with like the proper assistance or just accepting it all together, probably would have been better for her and for him all along. So, I mean, and and then the other thing was he had this like series of health issues, right? It was always like diabetes, overweight, overweight, overweight. His legs were turning purple. His legs did turn purple eventually. Wow. And it, it was just all, all weight related, but it was constant doctors and doctors and doctors. He was in the hospital all the time, all the time. The other thing is, you know, about like the skin picking. Yes. Yes. I know that. So one. he'd open, oh my God. Yeah. So he'd have one little bite or something. He still does it, but, and it would just be like to the core, like he would rip it open all the way through. And it was always like something to the emergency room all the time, this and this and this. So it was just kind of like, you couldn't see like the, the light almost. It was like, when does this stop? When does this stop becoming like frustrating? Um, and just taking away the car, locking up the fridge, putting him in the school and really just learning more about it and reaching out to the people you have to reach out to just totally changed that. Now it's like, okay, maybe one day he could live independently, but with some assistance, or maybe one day he could work, but under the, in the right job or <laughs> under the right circumstances. Now, now it's not like a frustrating to get to situation. Now it's like a positive thing. Yeah. Now he has the help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now he has the help that he needs. He has the resources that he needs um, to be, to live an easier, healthier life. Right. And they're out there. It's, you have to find, you have to look for them, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. The government just. No one knocks on the door and helps yeah. you with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you all this stuff. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I remember even with the guardianship case, it's like, well, you have to prove that he has it. And I'm like, Okay. You can live with him for a few weeks. You'll see what I mean, you know. Right. So how so how was that when you so you're I mean if if his diagnosis was not um 
like uh, spoken about. I mean, did your mom have guardianship of him as an adult? I don't really understand how that all works, but I um, I'm not I'm not sure what what she had exactly, but what the process that I had to go through. So from my end, um, I went to a lawyer first, of course, and I said, listen. This all started actually because, of course, she passes away. The house goes to both of us. It was okay. all about like the house and the house is not paid off. Right. So I said it goes to both of us. Like, what does that mean? Is my is my brother responsible for half of the finances of this house? In case, or like, what if something happens to me or whatever? Like, this doesn't make sense. He He can't manage that. You know, he doesn't work. And he also I mean, he doesn't he doesn't know what we're talking about. I mean, he doesn't know what any like what the house cost, for example or what it entails or how to pay the bill. So I went, I went initially because I said, um, you know, what, what is the right way to do this? I'm not, I'm not trying to take half the house from him, but I also don't think, I mean, I can't be like asking him for his signature on stuff that he has no idea what he's looking at. Right. So the lawyer said to me like, Hey, you need to become his guardian. And then basically, yes, what happens is that, Everything does go to you and him, but you're his guardian, so you can make the decisions for him. I said, okay, let's do it. And um, so I, I'm guessing, I, yeah, he wasn't under anyone, really. My mom was just taking care of him, but I don't think legally she was his guardian, even though he was an adult, but I don't think she ever did that because um, it never came up now that I think about it. Okay. Really, I did have to find I did have to find our father who is alive but has been out of our lives since we were very very young, um, because he he had to like relinquish his uh, his rights basically. Um, he had to sign off that he had no interest in becoming the guardian himself. And that was very simple because I said take care of your son or sign the paper he signed. So, wow. um, I knew that would happen. Uh, yeah, I mean he he's been gone for like since I was nine. So um, we did that part. And then after, then I had to prove that he needed a guardian. So it was doctors and therapists and psychologists coming over to the house. They would show up. Let's say we were at dinner. They would come over to where the restaurant we were at and they would just start interviewing him, asking questions, um, looking around the house and everything. And then eventually they said, okay, yeah, he definitely needs a guardian. And then the day of um, the court, the hearing, I took him. The lawyer said, you don't have to bring him. I said, I'm going to bring him. I think, I think people need to see on paper. It does not look like he needs anything. Uh -huh. He went to school. He drove a car. He had a job. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look like anything on paper at all. Um, so I brought him in and the judge pretty much was like, yeah, this is, yeah, just go sign the paper and go. It was five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, um, so that was the process that I had to go through in order to become his guardian. So I don't think, no, I don't think um, my mom did it herself. Not that I know of. Yeah. So, um, and you can tell me if this question is too personal uh, or if you don't want to answer it, but I'm wondering, do you have any ideas of why your mom did not make it known uh, or did not talk about it or didn't accept it? It seems like, or. Um, yeah, I've, I've thought about it a lot. And I've asked um, family members, did they know, you know, did they know and just didn't talk about it? Did they know that my mom knew? And I mean, when she had my brother, it was 33 years ago. She didn't, for example, did not know 
what he had until he was eight. So I think now with technology advancements and medical, you know right away kind of. So it's not, I mean, imagine that Freya's eight, right? So finding out now after all this time, like, oh, by the way, this is what it is. Uh-huh. So I think... I mean, by the time he was eight, she was like, no, what do you mean? He's lived perfectly fine till now with everything we've been doing. Why are we going to, you know, right. all of a sudden talk about this? It's, he's been fine without talking about it for eight years. Um, and I think it was different times also. I don't think people at that time were as accepting or willing to learn. I mean, I always joke, like, I was able to just Google it, <laughs> but... <laughs> At that time, I, I'm sure my mom, I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't able to just go online and Google it or watch a video or, or find a podcast, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't know. And then she kind of just pushed for him to be okay. And I think also the fact that he is so high functioning, yeah, it kind of didn't help for her because she's like, well, what do you mean? He's looking at me. He's talking to me. He's understanding me. And then what he does after she turns around, then she'll just deal with that later. But I did ask my aunt and she said, yeah, we kind of, we knew something was wrong. We didn't know what it was, but your mom didn't like talking about it. And apparently my grandmother tried to do something or tried to call the Prater Willie Association and my mom got mad at her. So wow. everyone just kind of left it alone and didn't bring it up. My mom was very, it's my son, my problem, I'll deal with it. Okay. So I think she didn't understand it as, as, the bulk of it. She didn't understand what it was. It is hard to understand. It's hard to explain it to people and it's hard to understand it. So I think she just kind of took it day by day and said, well, you know, he's okay today and he's talking to me today and he's driving and went to school and that was it. So I, that's my theory. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. She's not um, here to speak for herself. But. I will never know really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was like a bad thing. I think it was the opposite. I just, I don't know. I don't think she realized how many resources and what she could have. She she wouldn't know. She, we didn't know anyone else that had it. We didn't know anyone else with any, like, with any kind of disability, really. So I think it was just not knowing. Yeah. And well, like you said, I mean, I think things were a lot uh, scarier back then in that realm because it wasn't so open and there wasn't as much information or access to information. There wasn't the community like there is today. I mean, it's still a right. really terrifying diagnosis to get, you know, and this is when we have like so many resources and organizations and, and places and people to reach out to. And so, right. And I, I also think because I'm not his parent. I'm, you know, I, I look it up and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm very factual about it. Um, whereas my mom, probably if she would have seen, for example, like, Hey, let's say people with prayer really can never live on their own or something. If she would have read that somewhere, which is not necessarily the case, but if she would have read that somewhere, she would have been like, no, what do you mean? Not my kid, you know, not, you know, he has to be able to, whereas I'm like, oh, okay, well then we'll just put him in an assisted living. I'm very... <laughs> Yeah. Practical about it, I guess. Um, but I'm also not his mom, right? So I, every every parent has a child and wants wants them to grow up and be independent and do all these things, and that's what she wanted for him. And I'm the sister, so I'm kind of like, well, let's just do what works, or let's just do what's best. 
So I think, you know, it's, it's different for me. I don't have like this sadness or anything. For me, it's the opposite. I'm like, no, this is actually great news. Whereas for my mom, probably putting him, let's say at the WOW Center as opposed to college would have been like detrimental. Like, no, my son has to go to college. You know what I mean? Whereas I'm like, no, he's doing great at this place. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a little a deeper emotional involvement. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or I would say a different one. When you're the sibling, you're like, you know, okay, well, this is what's working. Right. So I, yeah, I think it was all those things kind of combined is why she never really, I don't yeah. know. She never really accepted it, I think. Yeah. It's a hard thing to accept sometimes. Yeah. So. I could imagine, or I can't imagine really, but um, you you could imagine it more than I can. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, for something you said about the, the sibling thing, I mean, this is on such like a minor scale, but, you know, if, if Freya comes home and, and somebody at school has some, something not nice to her, um, you know, I'm, I'm way more emotionally involved in the and trying to process that and talk through it and how can we handle the situation and my older daughter's like do you need me to come down there with lunch break Freya? i'll talk to them yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yeah because when when you're you know when you're the sibling you're you just see them as a sibling it's like you don't see kind of she would probably say that for any sibling you know what i mean it would be yeah. like the same reaction regardless but when you're the parent, you feel like you need to protect all the time. And then you feel like you need to protect even more in, in a case like this. So it's like, yeah, siblings is like, no, I'll do it for, for either one of my sisters yeah. or brothers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do the same thing either way. Uh, so yeah, definitely different. It's a different perspective and a different relationship. Yeah. So as far as resources, um, I mean, you're three years into this and it sounds like he's doing amazing um, are there things that you are still looking for or resources that you're lacking or that you're trying to get in place? Yeah, so I've actually been kind of running into things by accident, I say. Like, people ask me, like, oh, don't you have this? And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so um, one of the things that I'm still worried. So the, the transportation was easy, and that was, like, the first thing. And I know it sounds funny, but it was actually, like, the biggest help ever. Oh, yeah, um, no, I I hear you. I, I drive yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so having the ability to not have to worry about where he has to be, when he has to be. And he actually, he actually calls and books the rides himself. So he calls, gives our home address. He tells, you know, gives the address of the wow center, which is really where he, where he goes every day. Pretty much. He goes there six days a week. Okay. Um, at, or let's say he's going to like my uncle's house or something. Um, he, he can just go. I mean, it's, he, I don't have to worry about like, I have to be home at this time or take him or, or anything like that. And he also likes it because even though he can't drive, he still has kind of his freedom. So no, he's not driving, but he's essentially ordering an Uber. Right. So he likes it. He, I don't think he would like it if he, if I had to drive him everywhere because he came from being able to drive wherever he wanted. Uh -huh. So that was like something that Again, I didn't know existed or I had seen like the, the cars in the street, but I had never noticed or wondered what they were for or anything like that. And uh, it was, I think it was actually the lawyer that said to me, you know, he can just have like this transportation service. And I said, what? And I'm thinking this is going to be a long process. It took a week. It was nothing. 
So, so that was like a major one. And once we got that sorted out, then the WOW Center was next. That was an accident find. So someone I know actually found it on or ran into it on Facebook. And I always joke, like, probably because we were talking about it. You know, when you talk about yeah. stuff, it comes up on your. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think it was listening. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, she found it and and we clicked on the link and boom, there it was you know, and right on their website. Yeah. Prater Willie syndrome. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. So I went to them. Um, and then someone there asked me like, Hey, do you, how are you going to pay for this? I said, we're just going to pay for it. And, oh, you don't have a Medicaid waiver. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so it's all these things. And I'm like, what, where do they all come from? You know? So right now that's what I'm working on. Apparently, people with Prater Willie are like an automatic in for the Medicaid waiver. Um, I just had to provide his test from when he was eight, which thank God I found. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I found it was strange. I found a picture of chromosomes in his medical <laughs> record. And I'm like, this must be it. And there it was. It says it chromosome 15 and it says deletion. I'm like, wow. OK, this is it. Uh huh. Um, so I just actually yesterday went in and, and submitted that. But but that's, I think, with the waiver. So they give you, they assign you like a coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they help you with like, let's say you need someone to come to your house. So they send someone over to your house. They'd also cover the cost of the WOW Center. Um, or let's say in the future, he wants to move into a living facility. Or maybe I go on vacation and he just has to be there for a week. They They assist with all of that. So... I would say it's like a huge resource because it's all the resources <laughs> together. Uh huh. Um, I don't have it yet, but apparently what I've heard is that there's a really long waiting list, about 10 years or so. Um, and people sign up for it when their kids are young. And since I never signed up for it, that didn't happen. So I've done it now. And now I just wait, hope for the best and see, <laughs> see how I can expedite. But it's not, it's not that we need it today, but I don't know, let's say when he's 50, if he'll be right. able to let, bathe himself or right now, yes, but I don't know later on what, I don't know what this, what Prater really does later on to someone in their fifties, you know? Right. So for now we're, we're okay, but I definitely, I always say like, I'm going to find everything and if I don't need it, I don't need it, but I want to have it. You know, if, if I don't need him to live in a facility, that's fine, but I like having the option. Right. Or if I don't need someone to come to my house, that's fine too. But it, I'd still like having the option. I right now I'm very much like all doors open <laughs> to uh -huh. any assistance. Yeah. And um, I think after this interview, I'm gonna go check out the Medicaid waiver because I haven't signed anything there, like that. There you go. Oh, no. You see, you you have. Yeah, and I think it's like different for every state. And I mean, it's not intuitive. I, I searched for two hours to find the application online. Wow. I mean, I had to dig. They don't make and it I still didn't. I can send it to you now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was looking for, what it looked like. Finally, I came across this like semi-scanned, weird-looking application, and I sent it over to his social worker at the Wow Center, and I said, is this it? She goes, yes. I said, okay, I'm going to fill it out, and then I'll figure out what to do with it. She's gave me address where to mail it. I said, I'm going to show up. I don't trust the mail. So that's what I did. Nice. Good. Yeah. And I've been strangely um, lucky to, like I've always found someone 
who's like super willing to help. So for example, I went to this place where I turned in this application and the woman was so nice and she's been so great. She said, when you get the paper in the mail, come back, I'll explain it to you. Someone very easily could have said, hey, the process is for you to mail this in. Right. But she was, I mean, I've been lucky to find like over the top, extra kind people along the way of this madness. Uh Um, So yeah, she was like, yeah, as soon as you get it, come back. If it's missing anything, we'll figure it out. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go one step at a time pretty much. I mean, the resources are there. I know we talked about the, um, the doctor in Gainesville. I can't find that. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't know where or how to only talking through you. is like the only way. Uh So that's what I mean by it's just like reaching out to people, finding things and like keep following the trail kind of, Yeah. because I, I wouldn't, I would have never, there's no way online or by any chance that I would have ran into that person. Yeah. So it's like, which is why I think it's great. You're doing this uh, podcast by the way, because I mean, I literally just look up Prater Willie everywhere. I can look it up. I look it up online. I look it up on podcast on YouTube. And this is how I've been finding things out. It's great that you're doing it because hopefully, you know, other people, (laughs) other people that need help can find it too. Yeah, I just had one more question. If you had, and I mean, if I've, if there's something else that you wanted to say that I, that I've missed, but um, I was just wondering if you, as a sibling taking on guardianship in your adulthood, if you have any advice or suggestions for parents who maybe adult kids or have younger kids, like, is there something that, like, say, I could do? now is there a way to prepare my children for a possible future where they are guardians of their sister and uh it's a big question <laughs> yeah i know what um, i know that you're new to this but just if, if there's any yeah yeah no definitely i mean so i don't think there's like a a like a black and white answer because for example even if my mom had like told me what my brother had, if we had accepted this from the beginning and like everything, if let's say if I was, I think it would depend what age I was. If I was 18 or younger, let's say if I was like 15 when this happened or something, first of all, well, I wouldn't be able to do it right legally. Let's say 18. Um, And she had told me then like, Hey, this could be a possibility. I probably would have said no. I mean, I, I probably would have been like, I can't handle that. Right. And, and even, I mean, my mom was like slowly passing away. She was, she didn't die suddenly. Right. And even then I still didn't think that, that, that this is what I was going to have to do. It, it was weird. It just kind of happened. Right. Um, Because telling someone that it's scary telling someone like, Hey, you're going to have to deal with this for the rest of your life. It's a scary conversation to have. And especially if like a teenager, for example, would be like, absolutely not. Uh (laughs) Um, I think if it's like an older sibling, let's say a sibling in their twenties or thirties, then maybe they'd, they'd be more receptive to, to the idea. But even then it's like very dependent on their life, what they want to do. I have friends, for example, that in college and they're doing like study abroad or they're traveling. So I'm sure for them, if if you told them now, like, Hey, wait, you have to stop everything you're doing and you have to, 
you have to become a guardian and do this and this and this, it would probably still be very scary and, or maybe even be a no. And it happens. It happens all the time, not just Prater Willie, but siblings with people with disabilities, they, they panic, they freak out, they disappear. And it's not because they're bad people. They just don't know. I mean, they can't see themselves handling something of this magnitude. Um, definitely in, informing the siblings of what, what the disease is about. I, I hate to call it a disease, right? But what Prater Willie is, what it entails, like, especially later on, like you said, with the tantrums and things like that, it gets tough because siblings don't, what we talked about, they don't see it as like, oh my God, yeah, my poor sibling that has this. They're just like, oh, my sister's being really annoying or something, mm-hmm. which is how I saw my brother. I was just like, he's just throwing a fit. He's so annoying, you know? Um, but had my mom probably told me, hey, he has this condition. This is how your brother feels all the time. This is what we're going to do to help him. Then maybe I would have been more, you know, understanding and not so angry about it. Um, but if, if my mom had done kind of everything I'm doing now and then said, okay, you have to take care of him. You're his legal guardian, but this is all the help you're getting. Then I think that's like a more reasonable thing to ask. Right. So, Hey, you, you have to become his legal guardian, but don't worry. There's a living facility that you can go and visit him at when he's older or, you know, there's a school, you, you know, don't worry about it. The, the transportation is going to pick him up every morning. So he don't, that's taken care of. He's at the school all day. So kind of, I know it sounds morbid. If she had left it set up this way, it, it would have been okay. Really? Like if she had left all the resources intact, everything kind of signed off ready, like it would have been an easier transition. Cause I didn't, I wouldn't have to have figured it all out. Right. Does that make sense? That was like a mouthful. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic advice. No, that was really, um, thank you for that. Yeah. I was just thinking, of, I was thinking of mostly my, my older daughter just, you know, yeah. How that would... Right. Yeah. Because you, you never know. Right. But what if, I don't know, what if your older daughter at the age of 30 has three, three kids of her own? Would you still, you know what I mean? Then, then it's like involving her husband, her three kids, her family. Right. So yeah. I, I actually, I mean, I always, I always, I joke, but it's like a joke, not joke. I'm like, whoever dates me is going to have to be okay with this. Uh-huh. Um, and I did, I was dating someone at, at the time who did move in and it was fine. And we didn't, we didn't break up over anything related to my brother, but I always had it in the back of my head, like, yeah, this is going to end because of my brother, because it's frustrating. He still does things that are very frustrating. And that if you weren't kind of if you didn't live around him your whole life, you're like, what in the world is this? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's tough. Like it's not, it's not safe to assume that a sibling would just take it on. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, so I think definitely no, kind of and, uh, make sure you kind of get your, have it out. I, I like that kind of preparing, um, having some of the preparations in place. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. So, for example, the waiver, right? If if my brother had the waiver from a long time ago and a living facility was an option and my mom would have said to me, he's going to live there, um, just take care of him, visit him. That's very different. That's like a, that's a good, that's an okay ask. You know what I mean? That's very different than saying you're going to live with him, lock up all your, <laughs> all your cabinets. And, you know, I mean, that's, it's totally different. 
Right. And now spend your time researching uh, his condition and learning about it and start from scratch. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think having the right kind of plan in place and yeah, things never go as planned, of course, but yeah, just having kind of like a, a, I don't want, it sounds bad to say like, assuming that the sibling says no, what would be the plan then, right? And having that plan there, even if the sibling says yes, is always like reassuring for the sibling. Like, hey, if this gets too hard, I mean, I can call for help. I can call someone and come to the house and help me. Well, like you said, they might be more likely to say yes as well. If it's like, can you please accept guardianship? This is all in place. I just need you to be, you know, kind of the... Be responsible for, right, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's tough the other way around. Like, Hey, take, I mean, it it would forget, forget having a a disability, right? If someone called you today and said, you have to now just take care of a 10 year old, here you go. You'd be like, wait a minute. (laughs) You wouldn't just say, you wouldn't just say yes right away. You'd you'd still think about it. You'd think about your own kids, your family. You would, there's a lot to think about, but if someone said, Hey, this 10 year old, you know, is going to be in this, daycare all day or whatever I don't know this home all day and you just have to like pretty much make sure that they're taken care of and every once in a while visit and have a good time then you're like oh okay you know it doesn't sound so bad right yeah I could do that sure (laughs) exactly but if someone says we're throwing them into your house tomorrow you're like wait what um because it's tough even I mean it's funny about the fridge but people come to my house I'm used to it now but people come over and they look at my fridge and they're like, why is there a lock? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just there. Don't worry about it. But it's, it's things that you get used to, but you don't realize like other people, that's not a normal thing to lock your fridge. Uh-huh. And it's, it, it's kind of a pain because you have to unlock every time. And it's like when you have other, other kids involved, let's say for you, if, if you had to lock it one day then I know you have a younger daughter too, right? Then it's like, got to teach her to unlock it and then lock it again. It's, uh-huh. it's tough. It's, that's why I say it's very dependent on the current life of your other child, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or what you're, let's say like a lot of my friends in college, they did, you know, like I said, the study abroad thing. Like if, if I had wanted to do a semester abroad, I, I couldn't have done it. Can't do it. Not an option for me. Yeah. So, it, and it wasn't, and that's why probably, okay, fine. I was not thinking of doing that, but had I been thinking of doing that or moving to another state or moving to another country, it would have been a lot you, differently, right? It would have been a lot different, right? I mean, it's funny. I, I work for a cruise line and I always say like, I would love to go work on a ship for a, a contract or two. And it's like, well, I can't, yeah. but people here do it all the time. And they do it freely because they can. So it's a, it's, um, it's a big ask, I think. And it's just, again, like, it's not, I don't think a sibling would say no, but um, being like mindful of like what's going on in their life, because, you know, it's their life too. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a lot to take in, I think. <laughs> 